My name is Brant Smith, and by title, I am the director of the Fabrication Lab at the Tom Love Innovation Hub here at the University of Oklahoma in Norman, which is due north of y'all, about two hours, give or take. Nice. Amazing. <laughs> and uh, so our first question for you is, how did you first learn about makerspaces in general? What was your first experience like with them? I don't really have an answer to that. Um, you know, and, and y'all shared the questions with me beforehand. I, I do not remember a moment where I heard Makerspace. Um, I, I, I remember probably, so this, the shop that I'm in right now, it's about five years old, give or take. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in a very different office on campus about seven years ago in a different role. And I was meeting with one of our business faculty and a handful of other administrators. And he heard that I enjoy woodworking. And he's like, hey, man, we're having conversations about doing a makerspace. So probably actually that's that's probably the first time I heard that term. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and uh, I was like, what is that? And he was like, it's, it's a shop, you know, where students can do whatever they want to do. And I was like, hey, I'd love to run that. And that was, you know, who would have known that it would have led to this. Uh, that is my first moment recalling hearing what a makerspace was. Nice. And that sounds like a very organic way to learn about it. It's like you are already doing something that, you know, is related to makerspaces, something that in your personal life is just you being creative and you making, and then you stumble upon a community of people who like to do that together. Exactly. So I, we were talking because we were actually in the midst of a different construction project around creating a different kind of makerspace is the wrong word, but mm -hmm. more like in a, a technology showroom of mm -hmm. sorts in the, uh, the OU student union. And they needed a bookshelf. And I was like, I mean, I can make you a bookshelf if you want. I've got the shop at home. I've, you know, I've got a table saw and I'm missing the end of the finger to a table mm -hmm. saw. So like, I'm really legit. Uh, and uh, I remember that being the thing that he was like, oh, well, hey, we're having this other conversation. So, yeah, it was literally just the offhand mentioning that I cut some wood and make some sawdust in my bonus time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so for our next question. Gonna... Yeah. Um, so what has been a challenge that you had to overcome while working at the Innovation Hub? Well, um, I'll take, uh, let me take like an administrative perspective for that. Um, Cause I, I don't, and maybe y'all can give me some clarity in a moment about what kind of answer you're really looking for. But I have a perspective that it is a real challenge for us to be all things to all people. Yeah. Um, the university sees us in a certain light, right? The administration does. Students see us a certain way researchers view us another way, the community sees us another way, and trying to live up to all of the various perspectives that people have and audiences have of us is a real challenge. In one hand, you want to be, you know, wide open and accessible. Yes. Um, the, the phrasing that I use is, and, and, I, and I, I speak in a stereotype by choice, but I want like your, your stereotypical five foot tall sorority girl Mm -hmm. to walk in here and feel as much at home as your, you know, fourth year engineering senior, right? Mm -hmm. It's a low hanging fruit for a senior engineer to feel like this is theirs. Mm -hmm. Not as much of a direct, like I belong here kind of perspective to have for 
you know, like, again, you're, you're, you're more classic sorority girl. So in one hand, we want to be overly accessible. Walk in, this is your house, belong here. In the other hand, we are doing like super next level prototyping for incredible research that's happening at the institution. We're doing prototypes for already successful uh, like entrepreneurial ventures and existing companies. And then the university needs me to make like Apple boxes for some <laughs> restaurant they're putting in, right? All four of those audiences, just to pick a few, kind of live in competition with one another, right? If I need to make an incredible prototype for, uh, you know, an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. I need to have, you know, like an eight foot tall CNC mill. Mm -hmm. But if I'm a five foot tall sorority girl walking into a space and that's the first thing that I see, I don't necessarily feel like this is for me. So a real challenge in just pure existence of a space like ours, at least with leadership from someone like me, um, puts us playing a lot of roles that's challenging to balance. I feel like that's something we experience here as well. Everyone feels like a little intimidated depending on uh, their background, but we want to make sure that this is like a place for everyone to come and learn. And it doesn't matter uh, how much you know, we can teach you and it's, we're all learning together. Yeah. And on the right. side of that, I think we had, uh, we had a conversation with, the UTA makerspace just a couple days ago. And something that arose from that conversation was this idea of um, students kind of seeing makerspace technicians as people that know everything rather than people that just are there to help them. So they kind of come into the makerspace thinking, well, what do you mean you don't know how this machine works? Or what do you mean you can't help yeah. this project? Uh, and, and it's kind of interesting because it's supposed to be, uh, like you said, like a gym where we're both working out how to learn this new skill and like how to develop ourselves, you know, um, um, with our, you know, with our minds and all work together, not one person having all the information that disseminates it out to everyone else in that sense. What you said is a real challenge for sure. Yeah, it's tough to be all things for all people. Certain, certain individuals and groups need different versions of help and definitely have different expectations, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. and against all of that is, a lot of work and effort. Yeah. So just following in that vein, what do you think the future is like for, you know, makerspaces, especially makerspaces that tend to have these different, you know, opposing forces having to be different things to different people? Do you think that long-term it's either going to have to expand into filling these roles for all these different um, people, or is it going to crumble under all the pressure having to be different things for all these different people. I mean, it's, that's poignant language. Because um, <laughs> uh, I definitely feel like I'm crumbling under the pressure, you know, under the pressure as, as the director. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure that I have a fair answer to that. And, and certainly not one that would, that would be accurate for any and every space, right? Because the scope of various makerspaces is very different. I'm certain that the, uh, the y'all just called the spark, right? Yeah. I'm sure that Spark, you know, is at even a different scale than my shop, which is different than the one even at, you know, a smaller regional school here at, in, in Oklahoma and different than one in Missouri, Kansas, whatever. I think that 
what will have to happen in the near future is because there's there's a number of issues at play, right? Higher education is consistently defunded at the state level and the federal level. That creates issues for students. That creates these competitive disadvantages and advantages between different universities where this one's throwing money at this one thing because they think that that's going to pull students in. This other one's reinvesting over here and cutting other services at its expense. So I think that makerspaces are going to have to be, and I'm irritated to use this kind of language anyways, but they'll have to be agile in trying to respond to what both the institution at large is calling for and just what the students want. Um, it is a tough thing to balance what you know your administration is valuing against if the students want something different. Because at least if I'm pleasing the students, I can point to that and be like, hey, yeah, they happy. like the thing we're doing. Yeah. And, and they're, they're our you know, clientele. So maybe you should care about what they think and not what you think. You know? um, whereas on the other hand, like, I need you to give me money to operate. So I think that's an incredibly wishy-washy answer. But I think that clever maker spaces, which truly I would, I feel very comfortable like putting myself among those. And I say myself, but I mean my team. Mm -hmm. um, we, even though it is annoying and challenging to be reactive to, again, these various disparate audiences, we balance that pretty well. And this, like this week, we have, we're not only hosting a startup that has received federal funding to operate, they are, we're, we've given them a desk in our shop, which is not a thing we've ever done before. Not only are they in here, but I've also had a fine arts college visual communications course in here using our equipment. On top of that, I've had conversations with some researchers this week that we've helped them create a patented device. So we are trying to do all of those things with the hope that one day one of them will really rise to the surface and we're going to say, that's what we are now. Yeah, yeah. We're doing that. Yeah. And we're focusing on that because we're going to be really good at it. Yeah, it's amazing that you're keeping up with all of these different projects. Not keeping up well. Let's <laughs> keep it straight here. I think, I, think, I think for us, it's the same way. We're finding ourselves kind of supporting the university curriculum more and more. So, you know, something that we've been doing recently is going to the classroom and actually going in and teaching workshops on whether it's SketchUp or Tinkercad, you know, all these different things that we're seeing that teachers want incorporated into their curriculum. And they're finding that the makerspace is pretty much the fastest avenue to do that because we have, you know, students on hand who know all these skills and are really happy to share it with the rest of the students. So I definitely think that, you know, being able to redefine what your makerspace is and what your makerspace can do as the semester goes. Like, like I'm, I'm uh, pretty close with our coordinator of the makerspace. So I get to be in those, uh, you know, rooms where they're having the discussions about what we're going to be doing. And every time where I feel like we're constantly redefining what we are and what we do, we're saying, okay, this semester, we're not going to do all this stuff we did last semester. We're going to do a completely different mm -hmm. time. And then next semester, it might be, you know, like, like, uh, She's aware, she, uh, you just started this semester and something new we started doing is, and which we actually learned from OU was to put our 3D printers out in the public. So before we used to have the 3D printers. Okay. Yeah, we used to have the 3D printers to where we would only handle them and 
um, that was the only way students could use the 3D printers. But when we visited OU, we saw that students could just walk in and plug in a USB and use a 3D printer right there. We're like, well, why can't we do that? And, you know, that we did that uh, this semester, and I think it's been a huge success. So it's we're, we're definitely doing that. We're constantly redefining what we are and what we can be to students. And like you said, it's definitely supposed to be more student-focused and, you know, I guess the other way around. So moving into my next question. Sorry, do you want to comment on that? No. no okay. Amen. There we go. <laughs> moving into my next question, um, I was going to ask, what skills do you think makerspaces can contribute to student engagement in the classroom and in the real world? Oh, man. You know, if you look at, so in one hand, I see, I see, I see two disparate audiences again. One, there's the students that come in and use it. Right. Then there's the students that work here. Mm. Um, my student staff, I would make the argument, are just stupid next level. It's it's ridiculous. One, the amount of of authority and um, what's the word that I want to use? I just blanked on it. Finesse. <laughs> no, I they do what we need to do, and and I I just say yes, whatever. I defer to you, authority, and and. <laughs> Do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, so they have an extraordinary amount of responsibility, uh, if you think about it. Because if we, you know, let's pretend right now that the innovation hub, the fabrication lab within it is this enormous, you know, branding element for OU. Right. I'm sorry, I'm wearing this pattern shirt, by the way. I see it aliasing on the screen. Um, let's pretend that it's this enormous, like, you know, branding platform. It is all but run by students entirely. You know, I, I'm, I'm the one with the pro card. I buy the stuff that they tell me to buy. I'm the one that, you know, shows up for the interview. All of mine had class, by the way, so they couldn't come. I'm the one that shows up to the interview. You know, I carry the title and all that. Yeah. But they own this space. There's a handful of students that even people who come here a couple of times, they know, don't ask Brandt. He doesn't know. <laughs> Ask these people. And I'm sure that like you two are that role within your makerspace. So you get to walk out of UNT and say, I've run a department. I've, <laughs> I've made the strategic decisions upon the way that it would operate relative to the community. I've made the recommendations to the boss, the director, the coordinator, to where I said, hey, the thing that we tried was ineffective. Here's some adjustments we can take next year. And so you can point to real and legitimate decisions you've made that have changed and affected mm -hmm. an entire department within a university. That's a big deal. Absolutely. The students that come in, they get what I would argue is a, 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 a simpler benefit that is just as valuable for the lay student, right? The one that's not carrying the student position. And let me tell a story right quick. I teach uh, in our college of journalism and I make the argument to really both of my classes that the greatest thing that came that they can learn, even in my classes is just literally how to solve a problem themselves. How can you operate independently? How can you go and seek out a solution? And how can you figure out how to implement that solution? A student that walks into here who wants to do a thing, right? I want to do a thing. Right. They can come in here and figure out how to 
to do a thing. And figuring out how to do a thing is itself valuable because I guarantee that the two of you can look at classmates that you have and say, that kid does not get it. Yeah. That kid couldn't solve a problem for their life. Oh, uh, that kid, definitely. He's who I go to. She's the one that I ask whenever I have a question. Yeah. And often the separator between the chaff from the grain is people who can just think critically. And that happens here all the time. Yeah. Um, there's, the, the, there's the more evident thing, like they learn how to turn a wrench. You know, they learn how to turn on a screw or whatever. That's great. That's valuable. But there's a deeper added value. And that is just the ability to think critically. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I, I definitely think it's it's something that can really work a different part of your brain that the classroom doesn't mm -hmm. think to work, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I think classroom, you know, you're sitting down getting instruction from someone, but at a makerspace, it's all hands-on. You're you're using your hands, you're thinking with your your entire body, not just with your brain by sitting down and looking at a piece of mm -hmm. paper or looking at the board, you know, so it's, it's an entire different, I feel like an entire different skill set, people skills and all these different skills mm -hmm. that you're getting to build, like you're saying in the makerspace, you're, you're actually learning to fail, which is a huge yeah. part of the process. Yeah. You know, you're, you're learning something, you're right. doing something, you're failing and you're trying again. And, you know, if that's not learning, I don't know what is. Yeah, and it's just right. as valuable as your education because of all this hands-on experience and working with people, collaborating. It's it's practice for um, your career in the future, your real world real world job, um, and it's just a great experience working in a makerspace. Yeah, there's also the I mean, there's the incidental and accidental collisions between students that otherwise wouldn't whose paths would never cross, right? If you're in data analytics and you're in mechanical engineering, I can't even guess what data analytics, what college that's in. I assume engineering. It's is it under computer science? Well, under what something they call the new college. It's kind of, a, I don't know what category you would call that, but it's a bunch of degrees at UNC that you can pretty much do completely online. Oh. Okay. Okay. So where I'm getting at though, is like, Danielle, you have probably just rarely stepped foot outside of the college of engineering, the building that it's housed in. Yeah. You've probably gone to the student union and maybe the, like the, the workout facility. <laughs> and I believe that y'all's makerspace is in the library, right? Yes. Okay. So there are three locations that are common to a university system that are often the only three locations on a university campus that are intended and targeted at every student. Usually the other buildings for OU, for example, the Gaylord College of Journalism and Mass Communications just houses Gaylord students. Why would any other student go in there? There's no purpose. Yeah. I never once set foot in the engineering building when I was a student. I never once stepped foot in the, the fine arts buildings. I just didn't. So I never, I never crossed paths with those other students mm -hmm. outside of getting like Chick-fil-A at the union, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Here we have a shop. You're working on a project. There's another student who has a totally different skill set than you, who was learning totally different things than you are, who could very well have really valuable input for the thing that you're doing, whatever it is, and vice versa as well. Yeah. It's a real good skill for people to learn is how to work with other people. Yeah, yeah. It's that, it's that cross-disciplinary learning we keep talking about mm -hmm. in makerspaces. It's like, like you're saying, if you, 
if you go your entire college career without really knowing what the advancements are in other fields, you know, you are at a disadvantage because at the top levels, you know, the fields tend to merge, you know, an artist and a scientist are, you know, kind of at their highest level working together in a way, you know, so mm -hmm. I, definitely agree. I definitely agree with that statement. Um, and then we wanted to ask you another question. Um, um, uh, like what service do you think has yielded the most success and impact in your innovation hub? Uh, well, I don't, I don't really know how to answer that. So, cause we don't, we don't offer a ton of services and I, I again, I've re I've reviewed these. And so here's what I wrote down. Yeah. COVID-19. <laughs> um, it was enormously disruptive, you know, to everybody, nothing unique here. Um, but so let's see for OU, it hit spring break in the middle of spring break. They sent an email out that was like, Hey, uh, don't come back. You know, we're going to switch to online. And I called my boss and I was like, Hey, I can't like run a shop from home. You know, like, I don't know what that looks like to yeah. work from home. <laughs> and, and he was like, ah, we'll figure it out. You know? And then I got another email from the vice president of research. It was a forwarded like TechCrunch article mm -hmm. of these dudes in Italy that were 3d printing some like respirator valve thing. Yeah. And his email was, it was literally like, Hey, they're 3d printing crap. We should 3d print some crap. You have 3d printers, right? You know? <laughs> and uh, then, Another administrator sent me the same email. Hey, y'all have 3D printers. We should 3D print some stuff. And another, and another, and another. And so I called my boss and I was like, hey, you're getting these emails too, right? Yeah. Let's, can we, can we like address this? Because this isn't so simple as what they think. Yeah. All that to say, that Monday, following spring break, my team was back in the shop with brand new marching orders. The doors are locked. We were not going to be open to the student population right now. We're not gonna. We're not gonna focus on you know new and cool like research projects to support. What we're gonna do is we're going to take on our portion of the university's response to COVID. So, just like every other person with plastic and a three D printer, we started making face shields. Mm -hmm. We started making respirator, unique designs. You know, novel respirator designs. Yeah. Then people started telling us like, hey, we were going to buy this thing. Could y'all make that? Mm -hmm. So for pretty much the last year, my team has focused on what does OU need in order to function safely. And we've made three quarters of a mile of sneeze guards, which is a just ungodly amount of plastic. We've made thousands of face shields. We've got, again, a couple of projects that are under um, under patent pending right now, which is super awesome. We have, we've made, I don't even know how many like different testing apparatus for different researchers that are working on COVID related research and they need to be able to test a thing. And so we made a deal and handed it to them. So though, again, I, I don't speak in that language of like services provided, mm -hmm. but it harkens back to the idea that we were what the university needed. Um, we could have shut down. I could have fired all my students and saved some money, you know, but, Oh, you needed a body of really skilled people to help get us back on our feet. And so we did that. It's great that your makerspace could contribute uh, to the community and that response to COVID. Yeah, definitely. And I think we kind of were in the same space of 
not knowing how a makerspace would look like during COVID. It's, it's, it was a weird thing to get assigned tasks. I'm like, well, I, I need, I need the 3D printer for that. Yeah. I can't, I can't do this from right. Right. But we, our response was mostly virtual. We were completely virtual and we started uh, just teaching virtual workshops and that was a kind of like a huge part of our um, COVID response. But yeah, I definitely think that, you know, when like in a crisis like this, we immediately re recognize what we can do as a community. Mm -hmm. I think we're mm -hmm. at that, we're, we're at that just niche of a community in the university system that we can think, okay, how can we help everyone? How can we help mm -hmm. the most people rather than how can we mm -hmm. help our department or, you know, anything like that. So I definitely, I definitely agree with that statement. Now for my next question, I wanted to say, I wanted to ask, so what has, you know, this uh, COVID response, like we're talking about, how has, how has it affected your virtual? Like, are you doing more virtual workshops? Are you doing um, more things in person? Like, how are you kind adapting. of, yeah, adapting, like going back to normal, if that makes sense? Um, only very recently have we opened up the shop for anything but ourselves, um, which has been a very weird thing, you know, this, for my staff, this became very much at home. There was a period where we thought, we thought we needed to produce like tens of thousands of things mm -hmm. and a hundred thousands of things in wow. a two week period, which is unreal. Yeah. And my response to that was like, Hey, I can do this. Mm -hmm. If you get rid of all my restrictions on my pro card and you let me pay students to like be awake wow. yeah. in here, you know, if they're awake, they're getting paid and you're just going to get over it. And, when I spoke to my team, I was like, is, are y'all okay with this? Cause it was during like finals week of, yeah. of uh, the spring semester last week. And so they made themselves like a hammock. Only recently has it begun to be a thing where we're welcoming people in and it, it almost feels like people are coming into our bedroom, you know? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So our, our, we have been adaptable in that again, we, we just huddled in. And we became our little like, you know, germ family where it was like, this is who we are spending time with. This is who we are, you know, safe with and no one else can come in. Mm -hmm. Only recently we have relaxed that with the hope being that in August we can open the door again. There will still be some restrictions in place, right? We'll still wear masks. Mm -hmm. We'll still, we'll lay the shop out in a way to encourage and, and reinforce like social distancing. Um, but we are, we are testing our feet back in a world of like, what's it like to be open? Yeah. We could not have supported all of it up until very recently, just with the volume of work that we were doing and the complexity of it. Because again, we have these ridiculous projects spread out across, you know, the table spaces that we have. And it's like, I, I can't even, if I wanted to let someone in here, they can't do anything because they can't go anywhere because our stuff is there. Um, so I, that, that's a bit of a diatribe of, a, of an explanation, but um, we are gently easing back into what's it like to have people here? Mm -hmm. Can we manage this? Mm -hmm. And that remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. For sure. Now, I see we talked a lot about what OU is doing, you know, in correspondence with other departments. And I, I really want to, you know, talk about that a little bit more. You know, how is that impacting your makerspace or how, how much do y'all value that uh, correspondence with, 
you know, other professors and other departments and just like being very involved in what research is going on at OU? Um, so we, it, it, it's, it's my favorite, right? I love for the, I love for our fabrication lab to be both, you know, an, an obvious benefit to the student population right. given. That's really, that's really all I care about. But I like to think at it, you know, at just, just a smidge higher level to understand like this is in value to the institution, right? There's things that I can do that without me, not me, but without me, the shop, like, oh, you would be out of luck, you know? Mm-hmm. So we love to, to, to step in and say, hey, we can help with that. Mm-hmm. So there are very natural existing relationships. I myself am an alumni of the university, both through my undergraduate and my graduate degrees. Mm-hmm. I held a different role before this position as a professional, uh, where I had a whole lot of FaceTime with a whole lot of, of people across the institution. So I, I, I am naturally well-connected, mm-hmm. which means that a lot of these projects naturally come to us, right? They just think like, oh, isn't branded that thing with the like wood or something? Yeah. we need a wood thing call call brand he'll he'll do the thing um beyond that my boss also has has done a really good job of of, of ingratiating himself into um maybe even like some of the higher levels of people where they would say like oh the fab lab is appropriate for this thing let's someone go talk to those people you know <laughs> and then they carry back on with their highfalutinness <laughs> um that was a tea sip by the way yeah um, <laughs> then don't misinterpret uh so i love for us to be involved in that research not only because it benefits the institution at large but that's also like incredible experience for my student math um so again that was maybe a bit roundabout of an answer but it is it is essential to what we do that was a great answer yeah collaboration across across the university as a whole is just so important Mm. not only for the Mm -hmm. students but for the university itself yeah. and it's a growing community. Yeah, and I think for us um, on our end, it kind of, I feel like it caught like wildfire. Um, we just mm-hmm. I think last semester, we maybe had one or two professors that would reach out to us and say, hey, mm-hmm. I'm trying to do this thing for my class. But then it's like, uh, you know, as other professors found out, oh, you added that to your class? Well, I want to add that to my class. And now we're kind of like getting hit from all different departments. like. I want this, I want, you know, I want my, I want my mm-hmm. final project that they do in the makerspace. And I'm like, ah, hold on, we can't, we can't get We're home. not big enough for that. <laughs> right. But still finding a way to balance that and, you know, trying to be there for, you know, all of them to, you know, be able to step in. So mm-hmm. I definitely agree. We want to be there to save the day almost, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think we have just two more questions and, yeah, we'll, we'll wrap up here in a little bit. So uh, what advice would you give to students interested working in a makerspace or at the Innovation Hub? That is a fantastic question. Um, One is to do stuff beforehand. (laughs) I I mean, I've hired, I think I've only hired two freshmen in five years of running the shop. And both of those freshmen, they actually work for me still right now. but the reason I hired the both of them is because they came in as a freshman and they stuck this, you know, crappy pile of papers on my desk. And they're like, look at this stuff that I've made. 
I want to work here. And so there's evidence that they've already done things. Um, and so that was really helpful. And, and this again, harkens back to the concept of like, we have a lot of roles to fill. I want to make all students feel welcome, which means I don't just want a bunch of to speak in stereotypes, like engineering bros, right? Yeah. They're valuable. I, several are employed with me right now. <laughs> They're not all I want, right? Yeah. I want some really creative art. I want it to speak in all these stereotypes again. I want to have this body of students representative of the student body at large. So an encouragement would be also, you can belong to that community. Even if you don't feel like you are a natural fit, right? My undergraduate degree is in advertising and then my master's is in counseling and I'm the director of a fabrication lab. Right. So yes, even if you're a journalism major, if you have a passion for doing things, if you have a passion for helping people, it's appropriate for you to seek out having a role within the makerspace. It's appropriate and it's good for you too. Um, so one, do stuff. Literally demonstrate that you are useful. Two, even if you're not like particularly useful, <laughs> um, you can be useful in other ways that are valuable to the group, right? Yes, I have some crotchety engineers that get real irritated when people are like, hey, how do I do a thing? Duh, how dumb are you? You know, they're not dumb, they're just different. So I need the people that offset my crotchety engineers, whom I love, who added tremendous value, but also need to be, you know, offset by a more bubbly like, hey, what are you, you're doing a thing, let's try it. And I, don't, I don't know how to do it, but I'll, I'll be there. Yeah. Um, and then maybe even third, um, be someone who is willing to say, that you don't know, but who also goes to try and learn. Um, That's I, I, I've had one student worker that all of us here can point to and whom I love. He has since graduated, but he was just a no guy. No, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. No. And like with him, it was endearing. Yeah. But in the same breath, it was like, you, we, we cannot be those people, right? Like, okay, if someone says like, hey, I want to go cut my arm off. No, we can't do that. <laughs> but like, let's hunt down some options. Let's be the people that say like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know if that's a thing, mm -hmm. but I know somebody else that we can ask. Or, hey, come back in a week. Let me like screw around and try and figure out <clears throat> if it is a thing that we can do. Right. Those would be the things I would encourage students to do. Absolutely. Oh, a final one. Yeah. <laughs> a final one. Spend time at the makerspace. Of yeah. course. Um, I can name two, two students that I, they were using the shop. And I walked up and said, do you want to work here? Like, <laughs> that's how they got a job. I didn't have a job posted. I just said, hey, I'm going to toss around, you know, my director title. And I'm just going to hire you because I can because I feel like it. Uh, one of them was like a next level, ridiculously over-talented and I am absolutely exploiting him at, you know, $12 an hour or whatever I pay. Um, and he, he got a job because he was here working on his own thing. The other one is a next level uh, graphic designer mm -hmm. who, again, I, ex I exploit at $12 an hour. Like she deserves 50 and they got a job because they were here mm -hmm. and they were doing stuff and they regularly did stuff. Mm -hmm. So spend time at the shop. Absolutely. Those are four big important points. I think, I, think, yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think every single one you hit is 
I would second that, third that, fourth that, amazing. Um, so final question, what cool stuff do you all have coming up? I know you said uh, the Makerspace is probably gonna be open full time to um, your students in August, but uh, we just wanted to give you a chance to shout out anything y'all are doing, any events, anything coming up. Yeah, let's see. So there is a really big thing happening right now. Um, uh, we're about to expand the footprint of our shop. So, and you said y'all came here? Yeah, yeah, we came here, but I came here two years ago. So it's been a while. I, I haven't been back in about two years. Have yeah, you visited OU? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So if you remember what the shop looks like, we're, we're um, stealing some more floor space uh, okay. less than I wanted. I tried, I tried to take a lot more and they said no, but um, we got a, we got a grant, a federal grant mm -hmm. to buy us some new equipment. Um, <clears throat> so we are adding to, and for, for, okay, for those that don't know in the fabrication lab, we have three normal laser cutter things. We've got a crap ton of 3D printers. They're just like, they're laying around, you know. Yeah. We have electronics and circuitry. We have some sheet metal bending and fabrication stuff. We have a full wood shop, a cabinet level with a CNC router. We've got a normal metal working metal milling area. We are digging in deeper for material handling. So we're adding to that a CNC mill mm. and uh, what's called a water jet cutter. Yes. Um, and the, the rationale behind those two machines is that we can better serve the research apparatus. Um, we have a lot of researchers at OU that work with like carbon fiber mm -hmm. and other weird like composite stuff that I don't know what it is, but mm -hmm. I know I don't want to breathe it. And yeah. <laughs> other things that are like just dangerous to mess with. And so the water jet's going to allow us to do like really precise cutting of materials that are otherwise more dangerous to mess with. The CNC is going to allow for us to make CNC machining stuff available to groups on campus that otherwise don't have access. It's not the first one on campus. It's not the most impressive one on campus, but it's the most accessible. Yes. Um, and so with the acquisition of those two new pieces of equipment, we're reformatting the shop, uh, both the footprint of it and the layout and um, even the culture as well. So, I don't think that we will be as open as once before because we've also added a new program that's not Fab Lab specific, but the Fab Lab is an amenity of it. Um, so we've created what we call the University of Oklahoma Start Hub program. And the whole concept is that we have students apply and we choose 30, 50 of them I mean, it's arbitrary and even the even the application deadline is arbitrary because like we added a guy in the other day because he was cool and good and worth having and the whole idea of that is this is 30 to 50 students they just have ideas and we want to get them in the same room together they get unique access to a space in the fabric not in the fabrication lab i'm sorry a unique space in the innovation hub that only they have swipe access to nobody else can get in except people that they bring mm -hmm. and the whole idea is that those 30 to 50 ideas represented by those students, well over half of them will die. And we want that to happen. I want your idea to die. Your idea was dumb. It's fine that it was dumb. It could never go anywhere. But you are valuable to her. She has a killer idea. You add value. And so we have 
kicked off that program in the middle of a pandemic, which sucks, but is fine. And it will only grow and evolve over the summer and into the next semester. And so one of the things that we are also considering in our reorganization of the fabrication lab is a greater focus on supporting those students. I want students to come in and do stupid little things. Come in, you've never seen or touched a laser before, come cut out a circle out, right? Come etch a thing on your phone, whatever. That's stupid and that's great, it's awesome. But I also want to say like, that's not all I want you to do. Mm -hmm. I want you to develop an idea and then recognize like, oh, I can really chase this down and then become a part of our Start Hub program. And then we will probably have some form of like unique access and unique attention for what we call our Start Hub members um, in an effort to begin to really manipulate the culture of the institution, right? Where it feels um, elite is the gross word, but like elite to be involved in Start Hub and have that special days access to the fabrication lab. Um, so those are, those, those are, I think, really exciting and appropriate shifts that we're undertaking over the next several months. Um, it's a bit stressful just because there is so much that's unknown. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's a worthy, a worthy thing to chase down. That, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And, and it sounds like um, what you're you know, trying to create here will be literally an innovation hub, you know, like a, a place for people to, you know, kind of like an innovation factory, like you, because innovation is just bound mm-hmm. to happen. You have all those ideas, and like you said, cut out half of the bad ones, you know, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a process. Being able to come up with an innovative, innovative idea, it's a learning process mm-hmm. as well as you learn anything. So that sounds, that sounds really yeah. yeah, it's amazing that you have this available to students. Like it makes me excited for all the students at OU <laughs> really? and all the equipment is amazing. We, we, I mean, part of this, this shift too, we had a realization that again, we, I mean, we closed mm-hmm. completely. I, I put paper on the windows so that people wouldn't like not to be like, Hey, are y'all open? <laughs> and uh, so we are like, we are totally enclosed in that we had this realization the other day where it was like in August when, you know, students return 50% of OU will have no idea what this is. They'll have no idea that it exists. They'll have no idea what they could do with it. And, uh, and so like we have an, we have a killer opportunity mm-hmm. to define what their understanding is of us and to make again, a brand new splash on campus to say, Hey, here's this thing. This is yours. Come make it what you want to come break my machines. Please don't come, <laughs> come put them to work, you know, come screw around and do a thing. And uh, we think that it's a really cool chance to reposition ourselves. Mm-hmm.